today. It's Felix Gillette, the co-author of It's Not TV, The Spectacular, Rise, Revolution, and Future of HBO. And John Koblen is the co-author. Felix, great to have you with us. Um, what, uh, what, what brought you to this book? I mean, obviously you have the background for it. it was this yep. something in, in the making a long time, or, or how did it come to be? I think that... I think the idea really became appealing in 2019 when you could see that the cable and satellite era that HBO had been so important in for the past couple decades was kind of winding down and that this new era of streaming was replacing it. And I was just fascinated with how is this company that has had so much success in this previous era, how is it going to make the leap to streaming? Will it make the leap? Uh, is it going to, are people still going to care? Is it going to get completely wiped out? And at the same time, AT&T had just taken control of uh, HBO's parent company, Time Warner. And there was just a lot of pessimism at the time that this was going to work out. And so that was very appealing. And then also, um, you know, I really wanted to go back to the origins and explore how did HBO go from being this tiny speck in the Time Inc. empire, which was a magazine company that really didn't understand TV or have much business in TV? How did it go from that to a business and a company that had so much uh, impact on drama, comedy, documentaries, um, and really tell that story? We're talking with Felix Gillette, the co-author of It's Not TV, a book about HBO and you know, you mentioned that the rise of HBO. Uh, that's that's brought out in your book too, because at one point HBO considered buying Netflix, and that's that's a yes. uh, a fascinating story. What? Why didn't that happen, or or was it close, or what? What was your uh, what was your research? Yeah, on what that? happened was that in two thousand five, two thousand six, a group of executives in the West Coast offices of HBO said, "Hey, there's this company called Netflix." They have a website. They send DVDs out by mail to customers, directly to customers. They're having some success. They were still, at that point, Netflix was locked in this competition with Blockbuster. But the HBO executives saw that people really liked the service. Um, and HBO, for its history, had been a wholesaler. It had no real direct relationship with its customers. It just sent the programming to these cable operators around the country, and the cable operators were the one that knew the customers. And so the HBO people said, ah, you know, this would be a great addition. Um, and if we combine these two services, we'll have a huge amount of control over the home entertainment market. And so they went and met with their bosses back in New York, and they pitched the idea. They put together a proposal. And their bosses in New York said, nah, we're not interested. Get out of here. Like this Netflix thing is just a flash in the pan. It'll disappear. Nobody's going to care in a couple of years. Um, and it was fascinating when we were looking into that in the book, like why were they so dismissive at that point? And I think the answer to that is that HBO and its parent company, Time Warner, had just gone through this disastrous five-year merger with AOL. And AOL, when it initially took over Time Warner, were seen as these internet visionaries, these cyber gurus that were going to figure out the future 
Turner merger was really disastrous. And it left this very sour taste uh, in the mouths of a lot of HBO executives who watched their, you know, a lot of them had savings tied up in AOL Time Warner stock, and they basically lost all of that. So we call it internet PTSD, uh, that the executives really had this, uh, you know, feeling that the internet was not all it was cracked up to be. And so they shot down that Netflix proposal quite quickly, uh, which in retrospect does not seem like an amazing decision. <laughs> There we go. Well, you you see those things or hear about them anyway. Uh, what might have been now yeah. the 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 listing. We won't go through the whole listing because I don't think we have enough time, and and that's probably fairly subjective. But mm -hmm. the best shows that HBO has done, most successful, perhaps. Uh, do you yeah. guys have a list on that? Um, Definitely, I think. Um... You know, Larry Sanders show was hugely important in the 1980s, a really critically admired show. In the 90s, you get this great run with Oz, Sex and the City, The Sopranos, Six Feet Under. Those shows were all hugely important. Uh, later, True Blood was a big success for HBO and really proved that HBO could do genre and science fiction programming. And that in turn led to Game of Thrones, which was really the biggest, most popular, successful show in HBO's history. And then I would say in the current era, um, Succession uh, has been very successful for HBO, won the Emmy for Best Drama twice. It's been uh, really critically admired. Uh, but what's interesting is they just, HBO just over the years just keeps coming up with one thing after another. And every time it looks like, They've run out of magic and the programming is not good and they're out of ideas. Something comes out of the blue and turns into another huge hit for them. What, what do you, we're talking with Felix Gillette, co-author of It's Not TV. What do you attribute that to, uh, Felix? I mean, is it do they have some just sharp people there? Are they given freedom? What's what's the reason for I that? I think they developed a method early on. They said, you know, we can't really compete with the broadcast networks because the broadcast networks have too much money and too much power. So what can we offer series creators that they couldn't get anywhere else? And the answer that they came up with, which proved to be incredibly powerful and important, was that they could give these creators creative freedom in a way that they didn't really have anywhere else. They could say, hey, we're not going to pay you as much money at HBO, but you're not going to have sponsors looking over your shoulders. You're not going to have network executives telling you to make every character more likable and to spell out the subtext of every episode. Um, we're not going to have a standards department nitpicking every single decision you make. And as a result, you can make shows that address issues that are not going to be talked about elsewhere. You can do a show in a prison. You can um, talk about sex, like in Sex in the City. You can talk about there can be violence like in The Sopranos. You can make television uh, much more in a way that uh, directors were making movies. Um, and that ended up being that creative freedom ended up being incredibly powerful. And I think that's the method that they still stick with to this day, that take people that are really seasoned uh, TV writers and creators and just set them loose and let them follow their vision. Talking with Felix Gillette, co-author of It's Not TV with John Koblen. Um, Felix, the, uh, the there's there's one show they haven't done or, or planned to do, but didn't, and that's a Trump oh, biopic. Yeah. 
Is mm-hmm. that maybe that should be in the works now? It might be <laughs> even more interesting. Yeah, What's the story can... on that one? Uh, that was a fascinating story we came upon, which is in the 2000s, HBO started developing a biopic that was going to be called Trump versus Win. And it was going to dig into this fight between Donald Trump and Steve Wynn over an undeveloped parcel of land in Atlantic City. And uh, they started making it and they got, you know, Danny DeVito signed on to be a director and to play a role in the movie. Uh, They got Harvey Keitel was going to play Steve Wynn. Um, And they uh, they started making the movie. and, And at some point, Donald Trump caught wind of it. He thought it was going to be a very unflattering portrait of himself. And so he started working behind the scenes to try and get it killed. And at one point, he finally sat down and he got Danny DeVito to meet him for dinner. And by the end of the dinner, Danny DeVito said, yeah, you know what? I'm not going to do this movie. He calls up HBO. He says, I'm backing out. And the whole thing falls apart. And the producers were very crestfallen. And they thought, you know, years later, interviewing them in 2021 or whatever, they said, ah, if only people could have seen this movie, they would have known. <laughs> I, I think it would be worth worth the price of admission alone to see Christopher Walken as Trump. Yes, and Christopher Walken as Trump was the other uh, casting decision that would have been fascinating to oh, see on the screen. No, no question. Now, moving ahead, we're, we're now we're in the fully uh, set in the streaming era. Uh, is it a different different ball game for HBO now, or how how do you how do you see it um, with with them moving forward? Yeah, very competitive world uh, in streaming right now. I think Netflix had a huge lead, and just in the past two years, you had these other big rival services come online, including HBO's parent streaming service, which is HBO Max. But there's also Disney Plus, Paramount Plus. Uh, It's a very competitive world. And the most recent turn of events for HBO's parent company is now Discovery has taken over and you have Warner Brothers Discovery. And the idea is to take all this low cost reality programming that the Discovery channel has made over the years and combine that with kind of the prestige dramas and comedies and documentaries that HBO is known for. And that that combination of content will be appealing uh, to people. Um, but it's not going to be easy. And I think, um, you know, one thing that's interesting about HBO is that uh, in the book, we talk about this phenomenon called the HBO shrug. And throughout the oh, you know, they had a program like Band of Brothers, they were going to pay $80 million for, then it turns out it's going to cost them $100 million. Eh, they would kind of shrug. Yeah, sure. hundred million. No problem. We'll do it. And that gave them a huge competitive advantage because they no one else could make TV that looked like movies that looked quite as expensive, that was um, had quite as good special effects. And there's been a fascinating change and that gave HBO a huge advantage. But now there is a big change with Netflix. When Netflix came along and started doing their original programming, starting in about 2010 and over the past 12 years, Netflix kind of took the HBO shrug and used it against HBO. And when I say that, what happens is basically, you know, the paradigm in tech investing uh, became very much that Wall Street would support any tech company uh, that was growing. And the whole idea was just keep getting more subscribers, keep gobbling up market share. We don't really care about profits. What we really care about is just crushing the incumbents and spend whatever you need to do that. 
And so what Netflix did is they started outbidding HBO on really desirable content, starting with House of Cards, which we tell the story of how HBO wanted House of Cards. And then Netflix came in and offered an insane amount of money for two seasons. Um, and House of Cards turned into a big program and success for Netflix. But Netflix did the same thing in stand-up comedy. Uh, Chris Rock, who was the face of HBO stand-up comedy for years, Netflix went in and said, hey, Chris Rock, would you like to $20 million to do one stand-up special for us? And that was way, way above uh, what anybody else was paying. It had been a really big part of the HBO programming model. Um, now all of that is on Netflix. And so I think the challenge for HBO in this new era is, can you compete with all these big tech companies that are elbowing their way into this space. It's not just Netflix now. There's also Apple is doing original programming. Uh, you know, Amazon just paid a billion dollars for this Lord of the Ring uh, prequel. Um, and they have huge amounts of money to spend on it. So HBO is going to have to be a little bit uh, smarter with their money, a little bit better. And they're going to have to learn how to continue to make these really great shows without just being able to outbid their competitors. Felix Gillette, uh, and along with John Koblen, the co-authors of It's Not TV, HBO. Felix, we wish you well. What's your next project? You got one yet, or is that Steve, uh, in the works? Uh, <laughs> we're just trying to get through this one first, but I think I uh, <laughs> love working with John, and we've had such a good time, so I think we'll definitely do another one in the future. Well, best of luck to both of you. Thanks again for your time, and uh, hey, we'll be watching. Thanks again. Thanks so much, Steve. I really appreciate it.